0: Well, hello and welcome to episode number 361 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. In this week's news pack, show, Ryanair spends some money on a new sim, one airline performs an over 20-hour flight, and one airline has a wedding in the sky. In the military this week, NATO interceptors are scrambled 10 times in six hours, the RAF are set to retire older Typhoons and Chinooks, and the future RAF will mix crude fighters, UAVs, and swarming drones. So joining me this week, as always, across the village in the P2K <laughs> Master Suite Studio is the master of all things radio on Park Radio. It is Matt Smith.
1: I've done two shows that hardly counts (laughs) let's be
0: honest but uh, yes it's a lot of fun doing that you know I can see why you like this DJing malarkey Another, another hats off uh, to you again for this afternoon's 12 till 3 show, Matt. Well done.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. A slightly different format as well, which, which sort of threw mm. me a bit because I sort of got used to one particular format and then a- another one was was thrown back into the mix. So, uh, yeah, not, not ideal, but <laughs> there we go. It's, it's all part of the challenge, isn't it?
0: <laughs> well, you, you helped me while I was washing the van earlier. It was quite nice to have you on while well, I was doing this. So. Always happy to be of service. Mm.
1: Well done. <laughs>
0: So, uh, uh joining us as well this week, across the uh, lands and the sands and the fields and the valleys, over in Buckinghamshire, in the glorious sunshine I think he's had today, whereas we've had overcast coldness here, it is of course, Neville Bones.
2: Yes, hello there. Well, I actually went down to the New Forest today, right on the... Uh, the south coast of the UK and it was beautiful down there, about 14 degrees but uh, sun was out and I've caught the sun, a bit wind burn as well I think. It doesn't uh, take much with you Nev, I've got I to be know, honest. Just have to look <laughs> it. And, uh, No it was great, really really good uh, but I think we're all in for a bit of a shock on Monday, I think we've got uh, sleet and snow and sort of four and five degrees so uh, take advantage whilst we can.
0: Absolutely. Right. And that is why Nev spent a lot of time underneath the wing of the A380 when we were at Dubai a few years ago, just for that reason.
2: Yes, exactly right. (laughs) I had forgotten about that. So
0: So you may have noticed that we are missing a member of the team this week. Unfortunately, Armando can't be with us due to work and flying commitments, so that's always good. Uh, But he has sent in some very nicely well-done video segments for us, so you will still get to see it on this
3: Hey, guys, I'm sorry that I'm not able to join you all live this week. I was planning on it. But as you can imagine, aviation is one of those industries that requires a little bit of flexibility. And thus, this week, I'm required to go back out to California. Not that it's exactly a rough life out there. Um, so I'll be traveling back out to California this Friday. And uh, and actually, well, I'll be traveling home next Friday during the show. So I'm going to be missing you guys and the chat room and all our listeners for the next couple weeks. But I'm sure you guys will do just a great job with the military. <laughs> he's ever hopeful, isn't he? <laughs> no,
0: we, we do miss him when he's not here. Yeah. Honestly, it is like we're yeah, like the wheel and Armando is a huge part of that wheel.
1: When it comes to the military, absolutely. I couldn't yeah, agree with yeah, you more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we do love our acronyms, don't we, Nev?
2: No, I'm just uh, nervous as to what he's uh, got in store for us tonight <laughs> because he's not there to uh, take all the abuse. Yes, yeah,
4: so. indeed.
1: Is he going to get his own back? That's the question.
0: Likely. <laughs> what what we need, what we need is a super sub for when Armando can't make it, like a military super sub.
1: Mm,
0: That's right. Okay, okay,
1: well, you know, we'll leave you in charge of that. Shall Answer's we? on a
0: postcard, guys and girls. Yeah. Anyway, uh so just a quick um uh, roundup actually, as to uh, what's going on this week. And uh, in the news, we heard this week uh, that Malta will be accepting people onto the island uh, from June. So it's good news because it does look like, hopefully, fingers crossed, touch wood, all the usual stuff, four leaf clovers and what have you, that me and Nev will hopefully be able to make it out to the Malta air show this year. So, uh, Nev, what do you reckon?
2: Yeah, I think it's a runner unless something catastrophic happens, but I think both of us will have have had both of our jabs probably by then as well. So Mm. I think that's looking very good. And um, even had a bit of communication from Captain Al this week as well, who has expressed a little bit of interest. So yeah. we might see him uh, coming over to, and if he does, we'll have to do lots of interviews with uh, ice cream vendors, as we <laughs> always do.
4: Actually, if any, of,
0: if any of our listeners or any people listening uh, to the audio podcast, if you are thinking that maybe you might make it out to the Malta Air Show in at the end of September this year. Just give us a note or give us an email or a message, and it'd be great to see you there uh, on the island. So, yeah, me and Nev will be there for the two days, hopefully, all being well. But, uh, Nev, it is that time of the month. It's the beginning of the month, a fresh month, and uh, it's time to say thank you to a few certain people, Nev. It
2: is. And of course, we couldn't do this show without the fabulous listeners and viewers that donate to us. So, this month's Patreon donors are Nicholas Codling, uh, Warren Dixon, Louis Chowrez, Andrew Van der Sarg, Alan White, Stephen Howland, Tanya Wyman, Megan Carrion, uh, Jacob Darlington Brown, Nicholas Hewitt, Masha Owen. Reuben Wells, Graham Haley, Jonathan Warner, Eric Graves, Matt Caton, Jordan Rose, Andrew Wilson, Captain Jeff, Adam Spink, Liz Piper, Jeff Ward, Myla, uh, Evan Shue, Philip Labe Stuart Bakker, Ray Williams and Stephanie Plummer. And those who have donated by the traditional PayPal method are Alan Loveday, Jennifer Parkinson, Tony Stubbings, Mazuz Kareem and Lee Davis. Thank you very much to one and all. As I say, your contributions are extremely valuable and they help us keep the show on the air.
0: Yeah, it's worth just not- noting as well... Uh... Uh, for you guys and girls who have uh, contributed to the show that we've been able to invest in a little piece of kit for John, our producer and uh, John is now able to view things on a, on a decent sized screen, or more than one screen actually now, because he's got himself a, a nice new monitor, which is um, helping him out so so much, so thank you to everyone who uh, who donates to the show, because now John finds it slightly easier to uh, see what's going on. No, no, week. no, what, what's happened is he's it's now easier for him to be even
1: more bossy than he was before. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, for, uh, for everyone who watches the show, or watches us on social media, you you may have noticed uh, on Facebook uh, we ran a little caption competition uh, on there this week and uh, Matt I think you've got um, the picture that we ran on our uh, Facebook page this week because we did have a few uh, contenders I, th- I should say people who uh, did mention stuff on there um, so, so I'm just going to scroll here we go so the picture as you can see is a very nice picture there of a uh, replacement window on, uh, <laughs> on an aircraft And uh, we had uh, some comments, uh, one from Steve. Uh, says, as relaxed as Matt was pretending to be diving into the latest sports news, he couldn't shake the uneasy feeling that he was on board another wretched 757. Good point well made, yes, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Alan says, upon boarding, Nev was happy that the man in sandals had booked seat 1A. He quickly returned to the lounge to book a later flight. <laughs> Quite, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Stuart uh, t- uh, says, uh, see how old that tape is. It's been there for years. Nothing to worry about. Like that one. <laughs> and uh, our very own uh, Captain Al says, nothing to see here. No, mm-hmm. literally. Yeah. Now, of course, uh, thanks to actually, I'm glad you mentioned uh,
1: Captain Al there, because of course, thanks to uh, the marvellous plain truth segments that we've been so proudly running over many weeks now, I now know that actually uh, the little Perspex bit that's inside there is not particularly important because actually it's the glasses on the outside that's that's very important therefore actually weirdly that picture doesn't bother me because all they've done <laughs> is covered it up so thanks to captain al for a, and the marvelous plain uh, truth segment uh, something that would under under normal circumstances worry
0: me is no longer worrying me and there you go even when you get to come around here matt you can actually poke and prod this one, but you know, on the wall, yeah. right? Okay. All so, <laughs> I, moving I, I don't on, know what to do with that information. <laughs> moving on <laughs> to the <laughs> chat room, and uh, just to say hello to everyone in the chat room who's joined us in the world of YouTube this evening. Richard Adams, hello to you. We've got uh, Pilot Pip in there. Uh, Jenny over in Rome, hello to you, Jenny. Alan White, uh, we've got Rich from Sheffield, hello to you. Uh, we've got Masha. Uh, across there, hope you're well Masher, Lane, obviously Lane is part, a very big part of the chat room couldn't do a show without Lane uh, we've got Neil Lamborn, hello to you Neil, and scrolling down jo- oh, John, hello to John's in there as well, nice to see John in there Keeping an eye on us from all levels, John oh, is and sake. also Rakon <laughs> as well. Hello to you. I'll get
1: away from him. <laughs>
0: Hope you are well, and to everyone who's joined us in the live YouTube chat room, thank you for coming in there tonight. And don't forget if you are listening to this show as an audio podcast and you fancy coming over and seeing the madness that is the YouTube uh, chat room. Uh, Don't forget to hit that subscribe button on our YouTube page, Plain Talking UK, and also hit that bell icon, which is right next door to be notified when we are live, just like we did before we went live or when we went live. The pings are various devices uh, because we'd love to have you in the chat room with us
1: i've, I've just s- seen a picture of myself actually this is the trouble with this camera Malaki, and i've just realized how desperate i am now for a haircut thank goodness
0: uh, i'm having one tomorrow <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh are you yeah yeah i've got uh, my barbers uh, coming tomorrow to do my hair right that's your wife right yes that <laughs> <Okay>. is. <my. laughs> I gonna, yeah i was gonna say hang on a minute
1: we're not allowed to do that yet what's going on <laughs>
0: feel free to pop round Matt the right. clips will be out ready okay.
1: Yeah. lovely Okay, oh, so we, 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 are gonna, on, we are going to start the show then
0: <laughs> as we do as if John doesn't need a haircut anyway yeah. we are going to start the show as we do each week with a rundown of the weekly news from across the world and the UK so if you are all ready yeah let's go let's go <laughs> So, kicking off this week's first news story, this one t- comes to us from Reuters.com and uh, AvWeb.com. And it's not kind of an update, really, on the uh, Sruara. Sh- uh, yeah, Sruara? Sruara? I not think we've this one properly. Surajia. That's it. There we go. Thank you, John. The uh, Seventh Surajaya. There we go. We're going to have to do the little audio clip on there. Edit that one out later. So, uh, the Indonesians recovered uh, the cockpit voice recorder of this aircraft. Remember, they couldn't find the uh, data module. So, they've recovered the cockpit voice recorder of the jet that crashed into the Java Sea in January. Uh, and the air accident investigators said on Wednesday it could take up to a week to be able to listen to the recording. Uh, the CBR could help investigators understand the actions taken by the pilots of the Doom jet, which crashed shortly after taking. Off on January the 9th, killing all 62 on board. A preliminary report by investigators released in February said the plane had an imbalance in engine thrust that eventually led to a sharp roll and then a final dive into the sea. The report uh, included information as well from the FDR or the flight data recorder. Uh, divers found the casing and beacon of the CVR from the 26-year-old Boeing 737-500 within days of the crash but had been searching for the memory unit in relatively shallow but muddy waters where currents are sometimes strong. The CVR of the Surari F- uh, Shiri- Oh, man, I'm going to get this right one down surajia flight 182 was located late on tuesday uh, indonesian transport minister uh, told a media conference a naval official said it had been found under a meter of mud god they've done well to find that guys uh investigators report that the memory unit which was uh, recovered uh, using dredging equipment is undamaged uh, they'll now take the uh, module and the cbr to a lab for reading uh, which uh, can take about three days to one week. Indonesia, Indonesia, uh, National Transportation Safety Committee head, Surajato Chahanjono. said. Easy for you to say, John. <laughs> After that, he said uh, they'll transcribe and match it to flight data uh, with a CVR. The crash uh, of 182 case would be very difficult to determine a cause. It's worth noting, right, that last week I tried. Uh, a flight on the sim here at home and I done a fault with an engine you know uh, uh, an uh, you know, engine failure uh, just after takeoff and I found it incredibly hard to to control and I also probably need a bit of training but it is difficult when you have that imbalance of thrust um, on one side especially when you're in takeoff power uh, climbing out but um, yeah I'm glad they found us guys it's obviously going to make a big difference to the investigation for this crash.
1: I mean, I'm just going to have to take your word for it because <laughs> I, I have no uh, marker to be able to compare that with. It's just, it's just, uh, you know, you only have the one engine in a coach. <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> yeah, but then it's but on the so, ground, I suppose. But uh, so, and Doctor uh, Steph is uh, Doctor Steph is currently listening to the show um, on board a E175. Oh. Through the in-flight Wi-Fi, if in as flight one wifi. does. Oh, oh very good. nice. Nice to see you, uh, Steph. Glad to ha- glad to have you on board. Boom, boom, anyway, moving swiftly on to the next story. And Matt uh, Ryanair have spent uh, some of that uh, money they've got in the bank. Right. Right, okay. Does an airline have money in the bank after this last sort of
1: 13 months or whatever? Anyway, uh, story number two is uh, the usual. It is uh, a Ryanair story, and the headline is Ryanair purchased a second Boeing 737 MAX simulator in preparation for pilot training. So, according to flight simulation training devices manufacturer MPS, Ryanair has ordered an MPS Boeing 737 MAX f FTD-2 to be delivered to its facility in Dublin, Ireland. This purchase is made after the airline placed an order for 75 additional Boeing uh, Maxes. Uh, in total the group has 210 aircraft on order. Ryanair will use the Boeing 737 MAX FTD-2 for type rating and other training in line with the EU's ungrounding of the Boeing 737 MAX. CEO Michael O'Leary said that the simulator could be certified as soon as early April. The carrier would then accept delivery of 16 planes by the lucrative summer season. Uh, The newly ordered simulator is not the first one for Ryanair. Uh, The uh, first Boeing 737 MAX simulator was taken in March 2019 and is placed in London Stansted Airport. In total, the airline plans to have five simulators for the Boeing 737 MAX and, as of 2019, operates 12 full flight sims and seven fixed-based sims it's sort of quite interesting there actually and it also um, in related news uh, the 737 MAX uh, 8200 Uh, Receives the FAA certification, which is definitely good news. The Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA, said on Wednesday that it approved the design for the Boeing 737-8200, part of the Boeing 737 MAX series. A necessary step before the U.S. plane maker can begin delivering the planes to Ryanair. So the FAA said that the 737-8200 incorporates all of the design improvements that were part of the 20-month review of the 737 MAX that led to the ungrounding of the MAX back in November. Uh, The European Union uh, Aviation Safety Agency still must approve the aircraft a move that could come Soon after FAA approval, Ryanair Group Chief Executive Michael O'Leary did say the last week that the airline expected to receive eight of the MAX aircraft in April, another eight in May. According to an internal memo in 2019, Ryanair told its pilots that a delay to the certification was due to an unspecified issue with the jet's second over wing exit. The uh, 737 MAX. 8200 is a modified version of the Max 8 with a new set of doors along the aft fuselage to increase the seating capacity for up to 200 seats. Ryanair will fly the jet with 197 passengers now uh, just going back slightly to the simulator here actually we've got a picture of what what the, this new sim that's going to end up in dublin is likely to look at mm. i mean it look like sorry i mean the i must admit it's the first time i've seen like the cockpit of the uh the 737 max 8200 and i i must it's admit nice. that that does look it does look
2: quite comfy is, is that the right word nev comfy yes of course th- what you're saying there um it's a bit like, you know, nothing like the, the real aircraft in the sense that there's a lot of space behind you yes. there. But of course, in the real aircraft, there isn't quite mm. that There's a big door. So, no, it's a it pretty <laughs> nice place to be, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely.
0: it does. Me, me, me and John had a discussion when we were discussing show stuff yesterday that when I win the uh, Euro Millions next week, um, I'm going to purchase um, a new house with one of these simulators in. Right. Okay. Uh, what, 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 would
1: if money wasn't an object though? Nev, uh, not Nev. Sorry, Carlos. If, if money wasn't an object though, surely it wouldn't be a fixed-based one.
0: No, I'd get a full full. Yeah, yeah. I was going to yeah. say. We, I, I, I. I did say I'd keep it. Yeah, a full full motion. So. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you know, if money wasn't an object, <laughs> you know, and I'd invite all our listeners round to have a go. So that's good. Right. OK. Anyway, and, and you're winning uh, it this week, right? Just so I know. Yeah. This this current okay. this coming Wednesday. Oh, fair enough. So, Nev, uh, BA have been uh, naughty.
2: Not that naughty, because they've only been named the second biggest climate (laughs) polluter. Uh, This is on Air Quality News. Uh, the UK's uh, gulf.uk site and legislation.gov.uk site. It says that uh, Lufthansa, British Airways and Air France were the three biggest airline emitters in 2019, according to data analysed by Transport and Environment and Carbon Market Watch, CMW. The uh, Researchers found that Lufthansa was the most polluting airline, responsible for 19.11 metric tonnes of CO2. This was followed by BA, who were responsible for point metric tons and Air France who are responsible for 14.39 metric tons the data shows that these airlines do not pay for most of their pollution with flights entering and exiting Europe uh, currently exempt from the EU carbon market uh, in the case of uh, Lufthansa BA and Air France Uh, the airlines do not pay anything for 77%, 86% and 83% of their emissions, respectively. The researchers also highlighted that these three airlines were the biggest recipients of airline bailouts uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic. In June, the EU Commission will say whether flights entering and exiting Europe should be brought under the EU Commission's trading system, ETS, It will also propose a law requiring airlines to start using cleaner fuels such as e kerosene After the departure of the United Kingdom from the EU, the UK have put replacement legislation in place which outlines almost identical guidelines to those of the EU ETS system. But in a related story you might say, uh, British Airways backs uh, Zero Avia's uh, plan for hydrogen airliner this is on um, uh, ai um, online and flightglobal.com and it says that british airways has become the first airline to invest in hydrogen propulsion developer zero avia the first step in a journey that could see the flag carrier replace its whole short-haul fleet with zero emission aircraft by 2050 alongside a group of existing backers including the bill gates founded breakthrough energy ventures BA contributed to a total of 23.3 24.3 million dollars raised by the California headquartered startup. BA declined to say how much it provides um, for uh, so sort of how much it provided for the Series A4 funding round, but the move is designed to allow Zeroavia to advance the development of a uh, fuel Uh, cell based powertrain suitable for 50 to 70 seater aircraft under the accelerated timetable that aircraft could enter service in 2026 following in the footsteps of a 19 seater which is scheduled to arrive in 2024 Uh, Carrie Harris who's head of sustainability at the carrier says BA is looking at specific routes uh, where there could be the opportunity for the early introduction of hydrogen aircraft uh, whilst adding that a sub 100 seat head Aircraft would not be entirely alien to BA because its City Flyer unit uh, flies 76 to 98 seat Embraer e-jets and it currently operates no regional turboprops but a class, a class of aircraft that would gain new propulsion system is being developed by Zero Avia. But Harris sees the potential for a larger hydrogen-based single aisle arriving from 2030 a time frame that aligns with Airbus's plans to replace its a320neo family as we start to phase that into the fleet We believe that by 2050 all short-haul flights could be on zero-emission aircraft She says basing that on development of a suitable 180 seater from about 2035 and BA's typical replacement style well, that's quite a bold uh, program, isn't it, that they're looking up there? Um, but uh, it's the, they're trying to get the short haul aircraft in, into this sector, I can see that. So, uh, yeah, let's see what happens in the future.
0: Mm. So, on one, one hand, they've been naughty with the pollutiony thing, and on the other <laughs> hand, they're, they're being clean and green. Well, it'd be interesting to see what the what the figures are for 2020
2: because nobody's been flying, have they? So, true, 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 be, true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's this one way of looking at
0: it. <laughs> the old ozone layer has definitely had a, a time to heal over the I last think, yeah. uh, <laughs> year, twelve months. Yeah, definitely. indeed. So uh, Armando has uh, got the next story, and uh, this one's a very interesting one, uh, all about uh, UAVs.
3: From Air Cargo News, Dronamics has launched a cargo drone airline that will manage same-day delivery services with the Black Swan, its flagship unmanned drone. The Black Swan can carry a respectable 350 kilograms of cargo up to 2,500 kilometers at 80% lower cost than any other aircraft, according to Dronamics. The developer and operator of large cargo drones said that its Dronamics airline service will have subsidiaries in Ireland, Australia, and Canada, which are seen as countries that are leaders in drone regulations. Now, as part of its ramp up for commercial operations, Dronamics has appointed aviation executive Servio Oliveira da Silva as its chief operating officer, which is a new senior management position for that team. Uh, Olivera said, I'm very much looking forward to being proud of the team that will bring into the market the next generation logistics networks for e-commerce, pharma, agriculture, shipments, uh, special cargo and spare parts. I am excited to be again involved in another successful pioneer venture with the aviation logistics industry. As COO, he will be responsible for the setup and operations of the airline business, the deployment of the drone port network, and the upcoming operational authorizations under fast-evolving drone regulations around the globe. Based in London and Sofia, Bulgaria, Dronamics was founded in 2014 by two Rangelov brothers, one is an economist and the other one an aerospace engineer. The company's team includes aerospace and logistics experts and is the winner of IATA's Drone Innovation Award. Dronamix is a private company funded by leading entrepreneurs and, ex- and executives in aviation, logistics, and technology from the U.S., Europe, Africa, and Asia, as well as Founders Factory, Speed Invest, and Eleven Capital. Dronamics is IATA's first strategic partner for drones worldwide and has been named by the European Commission as a top 10 EU Africa startup. Now, by the time we get to episode 500 in PTUK, we're going to have to split the show into commercial, military, Vertical urban mobility, <laughs> unmanned and electric, with the fast evolution of all of these technologies. I, I mean, he's, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Oh,
0: I like that. Very good, Armando. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, he's just right, though. He's right, though. It's going to bloody. It's, it's going to be
1: four set of segments, isn't there? It's going to be four parts of the show. Like commercial, military drones, like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. What, what do you
0: reckon, of this, Nev? This Nev um, this, this can carry. This going to carry three hundred and fifty kilos of cargo. Which is oh,
2: no, I think this, this is uh, you know really interesting stuff, and I think um, it's very interesting, isn't it, looking across the whole um, spectrum of aviation, there's a big push, isn't there, to do new stuff, it doesn't seem to matter what it is, but uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm impressed by some of the uh, innovation that, that's going on at the moment, and uh, it's all down to timelines and, and when it's going to happen, but uh, no, I think this is uh, promising, definitely
0: hmm looking forward to seeing if this actually does work as well as it sounds it will do mm-hmm. so next story and uh this is one for matt actually this is you'll like this one matt uh because matt loves his long flights especially on 757s but uh this one comes to us from airlive.net and uh linkedin.com and uh comlux sets uh, a world record so comlux which some of you may not have heard about but uh, comlux was boeing 787 dreamliner operated a massive 20 hours and 19 minutes flight from Seoul to buenos aires on march the 26th the uh, boeing 787-8 with registration p4 787, departed Seoul at 12.57 local time as flight XAA-4787 and landed in Buenos Aires at 21.16. Uh, The flight had a great circle distance of 19,483 kilometres, making it the longest non-stop flight with passengers on board, and this was a chartered flight. Qantas operated a special test flight from London Heathrow to Sydney with 49 passengers on, if you may remember that one, uh, aboard a 787-9 Dreamliner, which operated that flight, which it took 19 hours and 16 minutes to complete uh, that flight. So Comlux, who are Comlux? So Comlux is a luxury charter company that operates a range of reconfigured wide bodies, including the 767, 777 and 787. Uh, This flight was only possible as the 787-8 carries fewer people than the average 787-8 in commercial service and has a completely vip interior increasing its range Uh, the aircraft is registered in aruba an island which is a constituent of country of the united kingdom of the netherlands in the caribbean and was was it was kingdom of the kingdom of the netherlands thank you john in the caribbean it was welcomed into the comlux family of vip aircraft which also include the triple seven seven six seven airbus a330 a319 a318 and other business jets so another bit of info as well on the story the aircraft is not mentioned the uh, on the comlux's website if you do look um, the 787, but it is on their LinkedIn. But uh, the aircraft which done this flight is an ex Aero Mexico registered uh, aircraft, registered originally as November 961 Alpha Mike, uh, which is listed as currently being owned by Cumlux Aruba under the new reg, as we said, of P4787, and is currently 7.7 years old. So Matt. What would you reckon? This is a VIP configured interior, so it's obviously going to be extremely comfortable. And I'm guessing, Matt, that you wouldn't um, mind 20 hours and 19 minutes on said flight. Uh, you had me at the word VIP.
4: Mm.
1: <laughs> That's fine. I can cope with that. As I, I mean, one of the legs, that when I came back from New Zealand, one of the legs that I, I had, I was lucky enough to be in, in business class. And that was a, a completely different kettle of fish. It was just glorious frankly um, so yeah I, I, I mean this is um, I, I mean who is this going to be aimed at though is this aimed at business travellers then do you think or is it or is it perhaps at the more affluent um, sort of holiday maker
0: yeah this is going to be like heads of state sort of very important people now. oh I see um, right okay yeah ro- royalty and, and kind of you know, heads of state especially um, but the, the aircraft, if you look on the, the website, if you look at the interior of their 767 and their 777, Matt, this, these aircraft have staterooms, um, king-size beds, bathrooms, lounges. Wow. Um You know, the, these are very, very nice interior aircraft. We, we can charter this plane, right? <laughs> I mean, Nev would be like, you know. Uh, I mean,
1: every seat would be seat 1A if it were. Yeah, know? it
2: is. But yeah, over 20 hours, that's, uh, that's some uh, endurance, isn't it?
4: Mm.
2: No, no, con- frankly, <laughs> if you've got access to a nice bar and a comfortable
1: bed and, a, and you can have a shower in the flight, and I mean, it's all just like, I yeah. think, you know, 20, 20 hours will be long few, enough.
2: Yeah, I've spoken to a few people that have done the uh, the ultra-long Qantas flights. Oh, right. And yeah, yeah. they were saying, I mean, obviously this is not quite the same, but they were saying that after about 14 or 15 hours, right, it gets very difficult, even in the even in the even in the seats. nice seats. Right. And I remember yeah. doing a what was it, 13 and a half hour flight back from where was it? Uh, oh, Tokyo back to Copenhagen with SAS. God. Right. And um, yeah, that that was. I mean, I was in the cheap seats uh, back in the day, of course, but. Yeah, it, oh, just twenty hours on an aircraft. Wow! I know it's not, never enough for Carlos, but no, strikes no. me as being a, <laughs> no. a bit much. No, he, he'd if his wife uh, would let him,
0: he'd live on one. There's there's no two ways Oh about hell it. yeah, yeah. 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 I, I just look forward to when they they sort of configure these with bowling alleys or um, cinemas inside. <laughs> I mean that could be a bit gross, tricky during turbulence, obviously. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, shall we move on before we get told off? <laughs> <laughs> next story comes to us. Uh, uh, this is, uh, comes to us from uh, our, our well, not far from our neck of the woods, I would say. Matt, it's a few hours' drive for us, isn't it? Yeah, uh, Southampton, you yeah, so sort of down south, isn't it? But,
1: mm. uh, yeah, the uh, headline uh, from the bbcnews.co.uk, so it, it, or bbc.co.uk forward slash news, uh, and the headline is Southampton Airport Runway Decision put back after rejection. So plans to extend Southampton's airport's runway have been rejected by planning chiefs after a two-day meeting. Uh, Eastleigh's local area committee voted 5 to 3 against the 164-metre, that's 538-foot extension, to allow longer haul flights. The matter will now go to a full council meeting on the 8th of April, where the proposal will be finally uh, decided. The airport boss has said that it was vital for the site's future, but campaigners and some local authorities have raised big objections over noise and pollution. Uh, Responding to the Vote Airport Operations Director, Steve uh, Sasley said that the committee had gone against the majority of Eastleigh's residents who expressed their support during the consultation. However, this is far from over. We now welcome the opportunity to present our plans to the full council. Uh, It is thought that the extension would create more than 1,000 jobs and contribute to the local economy. Uh, the uh, Southampton Airport is one of eight across England seeking to expand. The Advisory Climate Change Committee has told ministers that uh, emissions from aircraft must not be allowed to grow overall. Uh, that means that if capacity is increased at one airport, then it should contract at another, and no one appears to be volunteering for that. So the committee said that an exception could be made if planes become much more fuel efficient or start flying on low carbon fuels from plants or waste but these will not be available at scale for some time. Uh, The government is yet to decide whether it will follow this advice although aviation will form part of its transport decarbonisation plan uh, due out after Easter. I mean it's... um... Mm,
2: Dear, 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 dear... Uh... I was just looking at the current runway length of Southampton Airport and it is not great I have to say Uh, in feet it's 5653 feet and in meters it's 1723 just to put that as a comparison uh, Jersey Airport is 6,000 feet long and Gibraltar Airport is 6,000 feet long so uh, this is um, nearly 400 feet uh, less and the trouble is with delay and this sort of stuff. Um, what I don't quite understand about this is they're talking about planes becoming much more fuel efficient. Well, the stuff that's coming out today is extremely fuel efficient, mm. I would have thought, mm, compared true. to uh, some of the older stuff uh, back in the day. So I don't really see. W- <sighs> obviously there's always environmental objections mm. and there's always local resident objections I understand all that but um, I think this is going to give the airport a big problem I have to say because it just will not be able to uplift the amount of uh, cargo payload and fuel that it needs uh, the aircraft needs to go to, to sensible places with uh, well, 5,653 feet of runway is not a great deal
0: it's worth noting as well, Nev, that if you look at the uh, passenger figures, number of passengers between 2017 and the end of 2019 before um, uh, COVID, uh, the passenger numbers dropped, were going down each year. From oh, really? so Yeah, they, they, they in 2017 that the airport saw just over two million passengers pass through the doors. Um, compare that to 2019, uh, just over 1.7 million. So the numbers I mean are is there, I mean
1: if you're looking at the overall picture though is there not a strong argument for um, you know doing long haul flights from smaller more local airports because you aren't having to travel that far or is the fact that you're using a local airport that that carbon footprint impact is not big enough to warrant the I don't know it's mm-hmm. such it's such a a difficult subject isn't it to to, to get clarity on I I suppose
2: when, you, if, when you're dealing with aircraft like the new uh, a321 uh, XLRs and, and these sorts of things I mean obviously their their range is is fantastic now mm. but you do need a minimum amount of runway to get off yeah there true yeah and to you know start carrying sensible levels of payload I think the worst thing is if you end up with a really good aircraft but you can't operate it in and out mm. of uh, airports and mm. your you your um weight limited or fuel limited then you know it, you're not doing the job that you're set up to do so it, it needs something uh mm. bigger you know so i didn't
0: realize ba got some uh flights out of uh, southampton nev they have yes just looking on here yeah. bergerac mm. uh alicante yeah. malaga faro mm-hmm. i think
2: they're um seasonal though um, mm, I, they're, mm. they're not running them all year round, uh, but uh, yeah. yeah I don't know. Uh, Richard Adams uh, points out in the chat room actually, Bournemouth is just down the road and uh, has got better destinations at the moment. Um, that's has sure. it? So, yeah. Okay. I so. think Bournemouth's got a slightly longer uh, runway from uh, right as well. So yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I again, I don't. I don't think we're. It's going to be a while before we know the answer, really, isn't it? To um, m- moving forward, as they say.
2: So Nev,
0: you've got news on an exciting new seat.
2: I'm excited by this, and that takes some doing, I have to say, (laughs) for me. It's on simpleflying.com and also on butterflyseating.com. It says, with the trend of operating long-haul flights using narrow-body aircraft set to continue for the foreseeable, plenty of cabin designers have been working to come up with unique offerings for the passengers on these flights. Well, JetBlue's transatlantic A321LR features a modified Thompson Aero solo seat whilst Stellia Aerospace offers a similar but different approach to premium cabin comfort the problem here is that all the super comfortable looking products are aimed at business class travelers not all routes will necessarily support a large business class cabin so plumping for a permanent capacity level could end up limiting the flexibility of these narrow body uh, types. Uh, Hong Kong-based paperclip design has a great solution to this problem. Its butterfly seat allows airlines to switch between a spacious lie-flat business class product and a comfortable staggered premium economy product without any physical changes being made. Each butterfly uh, butterfly seat is arranged in a block of two seats with a staggered arrangement. With both seats upright, it's comfor- it's a comfortable product for premium economy or even short-haul business cabin, uh, passengers will enjoy the extra personal space afforded by the staggered arrangement, ending armrest wars for good. While well, the seat's <laughs> beauty really shines through when it's converted into business class, the business class setup sees the forward seat of the pair folded down and away, forming a couch-type arrangement for suite style space this can be used for storage or flyers can even invite a guest over for dinner and a chat Uh, when it comes to time for sleeping uh, the aisle seat is folded over in a similar manner to create an enormous bed the designers state that it gives one of the largest and flattest uh, sleeping surfaces in the industry, with some 36 inches of width at the hip and plenty of room to get comfy. Uh, The bed area is 81 inches at its longest, enough for a 6 foot 9 giant to stretch out. Unlike many of the concepts that we've seen for other cabin interiors, the Butterfly is pressing ahead in its development process. Last year's uh, Butterfly Flexible Seating Solutions, the commercial arm of Paperclip Designed, uh, joined forces with uh, Sikuski uh, Kydex, Tapis and MGR Foamtex to take the product forward. And the team is currently working on rapid prototyping technology of the product ahead of a move to certify the seat. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? That's um, I think that's going to be quite revolutionary to have a seat arrangement that deals with both business class and the premium uh, economy section.
1: Absolutely, I think uh, I mean uh, the, one of the uh, uh, videos that uh, that John has sent me is actually a little little gif. Um, and uh, we'll make sure the, the details are, are in the show notes for people to take a look because it is genuinely a really fascinating design, and it, it truly does m- like maximise the space. I mean, I'll run the I'll mm. run the little uh, the gif again here. Look, um, where it you know it sort of all folds down, and it is a, I mean it's a, it's a really big bed. There's uh, you would struggle not to be com- you'd have to go out of your way to not be comfortable in that um, configuration. They do look good. Um,
0: I mean, they, they do look, the, I love the colours. I, yeah. the,
1: the I quite like the cushions, if I'm mm, honest. Yeah, the
0: <laughs> I, I must admit, when, when you were playing the, the videos on that story, map, I did notice that one of them had uh, a pot plant of course, sitting on the absolutely. side. Which, uh... oh,
1: well secured, I assume, for landing mm. and takeoff, etc. But, uh, <laughs> you know, there we go. Yeah, It's a great idea, isn't it? I suppose, you know, people, they're getting, the, the, these things are getting cleverer and cleverer, aren't they? Actually, ra-
0: uh, Racon makes a very good point in the chat room. Mm. Uh, he says looks great until cleaning and maintenance yeah. true it's alright while it works I suppose yeah yeah good yeah. point
1: where you're going to drop your, your your phone into it yes at what point in the mechanism will your phone essentially
0: get crushed uh, <laughs> Rich uh, Rich from Sheffield is uh, saying that you still have to pass your seat buddy and wake them up from the window seat yes yeah yes that is true Uh <laughs>
3: yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Only in premium and economy, though. From what from what yeah. we're being told in our ear, but uh, there we go. You know, I it, do love. I like business, do love your own pod. You, you you haven't got to sit next. I like the idea. I I like the idea of being able to socialise. You know, and invite somebody over for dinner. I mean, not in COVID times, obviously. That's that's a big no no. But uh, I quite <laughs> like. I quite like that. That you could sort of, you know, uh,
0: would you like to come and have lunch with me? I just find that delightfully mm. sociable. How does Carlos know what a pot plant looks like? Lane, trust me, I have many. No, you don't. Many. I don't. There are many, many (laughs) pot plants in this house. (laughs) She who
1: must be obeyed is very keen on the pot plant. Oh, dear.
0: Anyway. (laughs) Indeed. So, (laughs) up next, uh, Armando has sent us in another uh, story for you this week. And uh, this one is uh, all about lovely Citation 560 XLs.
3: From AIN Online, Textron Aviation has handed over its 1,000th Cessna Citation 560XL Series business jet. That's according to the Wichita, Kansas-based company. The Milestone Citation XLS Plus was delivered to a customer located in the Northeast U.S. and will be managed and operated by Custom Jet Charters, a Part 135 operator with locations in Palm Beach, Florida, and Westchester County, New York airports. Now, comprising of three different variants, the XL, XLS, and XLS Plus, the 560XL has accumulated more than 5 million flight hours since receiving FAA type certification in April of 1998. Every two minutes, a 560XL jet takes off or lands somewhere in the world. That's according to Textron Aviation senior VP of global sales and flight operations, Lanny Obanian. They said. This this milestone delivery is a direct reflection of our customers' trust and the dedication of our employees who continue to build and support the Citation 560XL family of aircraft. Additionally, the aircraft's joint venture in China, Cessna Avic Aircraft in Zhuhai, is expected to deliver its 300th XLS Plus this year, which will go to the Civil Aviation Administration of China's Flight Inspection Center. It will be the sixth of eight XLSs acquired through a purchase agreement signed in December of 2018, according to the company. Uh, Now, in the past couple months, we at PTUK have talked about the ending of the production line for certain King Air business uh, turboprops and the venerable Learjet, but this just shows how strong Cessna's share of the market is in the business aviation segment. The 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 Cessna citation is now and has been just an absolute staple in the medium-sized business jet area
1: they're incredible numbers aren't they really
2: mm. yes i've not been on one of these uh, new flashy ones obviously but uh, <laughs> i have been on a 560 xl uh from farnborough to billund in denmark oh wow uh, owned by a well-known uh, toy maker of bricks of uh, plastic bricks <laughs> right and, uh yes that was a great experience and i had a, a, a little bar on board as well which is fabulous Duplo. so i enjoyed that yeah but, um, oh, yes these <laughs> uh these aircraft are very nice indeed aren't they and uh yeah it's great to see that they're uh, uh doing very well with the, uh, the mm. newer versions too
1: great uh you know as you say and, and
2: how many was it he said that have been sold uh, well, they've just had over the one thousand one thousand. Wow, five hundred and sixty XL series, yeah, yeah, yeah of the five hundred
0: and sixty, yeah, which is not bad when you consider how much these aircraft cost each. They've they've sold a thousand of them.
1: What are they about? Sort of ten grand, something like that.
4: Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Apparently, there's been over seven and a half thousand Citation jets made overall, which is which is well scary numbers. Such
0: such scary numbers. Wow. Ah, yeah, dear just, trying, just trying to get a price up one there. There is um, oh blimey, there's no, oh blimey. There's no way
1: wow. she's going to let you have one, Carlos. I don't even know why you're looking at, at the numbers.
0: Actually, actually, the second hand price is not bad. Um, Thirty eight million. And she's <laughs> um okay. Well, actually,
1: yeah, that's terrible. Wow, I mean that's still no. Yeah, apparently there's was, apparently there's something like sixteen and a half million to start. Yeah, with, apparently, uh, the, the
0: price the prices range on the second hand market between sixteen and a half million up to thirty eight million. I suppose for the for the ones that have got the gold. Three so, eight million. So three point. I've got. Th- I've got thirty. There's no point on my um, Wikipedia oh, thing here. Oh, oh
1: Wikipedia. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. <laughs> right. It's, okay. Is that where I've gone wrong? Yes. Okay. Uh, that that data that Carlos has just said out loud may or may not be accurate. <laughs> That's all I can say on that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Rich from Sheffield in the chat room has said, uh, uh, can you get them on say-day delivery like you do with Amazon? Probably is the short answer. <laughs> If you're spending that kind of money, I want it hand-delivered with a bottle of
0: champagne, frankly. But uh, <laughs> you, you probably do get a bottle of champagne when you buy one of those jets, to be fair. Oh, well, very good, yes. Yeah. <laughs> very good. Oh, okay. Right, so moving on to the next story. And this one comes to us from Simple Flying and from Twitter as well. Um, wedding in the skies or weddings in the skies. Something I haven't been to for far too long now. A wedding in the sky? Well, a wedding in a wedding anywhere, really. Oh, yeah, true, true. So, on Wednesday, a Southwest Airlines pilot got married in Utah on its own. This doesn't sound like much of a story, however, the marriage took place on one of its company's flights from Las Vegas to Salt Lake City while cruising at 33,000 feet. According to Southwest Airlines, York Zentner. Met his son, uh, special somebody, Sabrina Solisby, at a Southwest Airlines ticket counter in Las Vegas. Oh, quaint! Oh, uh, the two quickly hit it off, and when Sabrina wasn't working, she would accompany York as a passenger on his flights. The two visited many cities during their relationship. One on a trip to Utah's mountains. Uh, York proposed during uh, one of the private flights. Fast forward, and the couple knew where they wanted to get married. Given the connection between Southwest Airlines and their relationship, uh, the pair opted to tie the knot on the flight from Las Vegas to Salt Lake City, where they hoped to settle down. The majority of flight WN1711 uh, was over the state of Utah, but so the pair filed for a marriage license in the state. When the big day came, the couple boarded the flight with 15 friends and family and a plane full of southwest passengers. Once the aircraft was over Utah, the two were married by Andrew Pabstay, uh, another of the airline's pilots. Uh, But Southwest weren't the only people talking of weddings in the air this week. Middle Eastern carrier Emirates posted on their social media that they would be launching a special wedding service for those who want to tie the knot at 40,000 feet on their flagship A380 aircraft. The airline shared the news with a picture of the couple tying the knot on the on the onboard bar, uh, alas, for those thinking that Emirates A380 weddings would be idyllic, the date on the just married sign on the accompanying picture was marked with April the first. Ah! And after many inquiries through their social media channels, the airline admitted that it was an April Fool's joke. Rude. So if you want an in-flight wedding, you'll just have to fly Southwest. Okay, I mean, I, you, I mean, I have so many questions, uh, <laughs>
1: none of you, which we probably have time we, for. But it's you know, we've like... we've
0: covered stories on the show, haven't we, Matt, with airlines selling airline food to make to generate. I'm Some not reading that money. comment out, uh, <laughs> um, but yes, thank you, Captain Cruz. But actually, I think it's a damn good idea for for airlines to generate. I, I, I like extra what Laura's is
1: saying, saying here. Is this love is literally in the air? That that's quite cool. Yeah, and now. I I guess if there's a couple that are absolutely, uh, you know, absolutely love aviation and obviously with the Southwest story, obviously, you know, they met through aviation and that kind of thing, you know, I fully get that. But there's not a cat's hope in hell that Gemma would have ever agreed to marrying you, (laughs) Carlos. On an aircraft, with you know, just no, it would never happen. And but if
0: you're, but if you remember, Smith, I did have aviation-themed wedding. Bits you did, and pieces, yes. But I'm... we
1: were very much on the ground.
3: Mm. Um,
1: there's yeah. no, I mean, I can't. I see. I, I, I'm saying this. I'm sort of mocking uh, Carlos here. I mean, but uh, I mean, never. Auntie Sue would probably be also similarly as unkeen.
2: I think it would be one of those eye-rolling moments. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> And the fact that Carlos has got away with as much as he has—we're all find extraordinary. We are and
1: all shocked. I, I, yeah.
2: I thought that the um, the uh. throttle quadrant was going to be the last, you know, I the did. last straw. Uh, yeah. But he seems to have got away with that as well. I know.
1: I I fully expected Carlos to be living here in the studio when Thanks. that came home. I, I'll be honest. Um, but hey, you know, <sighs> what, what do I know? Clearly, nothing. It keeps me out of harm's way during the day,
0: and that's Don't... why she lets you do it. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but no,
4: <laughs> I think I think
0: it's I think it's a great I think it's a great story. I think um, I think uh, for for you know you've seen how how well um, companies such as say the plane reclaimers have done selling pieces of aircraft. People are going mad on buying bits of bits of old aircraft, so all the people who who love flying and love aviation who young couples who might want to get married would probably pay to fly on an aircraft and take 15 30 of their family and friends and get married, you know, while at cruise somewhere. I, I think it's a, I think it's a bloody good way of making money myself. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. Why not? <laughs> I mean, people go to Vegas and get married in, you know, Cadillacs and, random weird churches and stuff like that in vegas so why not on board an aircraft if yeah i mean if it's your thing then yeah absolutely
1: i i, I can i can see that i can get that yeah mm. oh well there we go
0: there we go so <laughs> uh, uh there is uh, there's, actually there's an extra little story here at the end isn't there which i uh, must uh read out actually this was i think it was sent us to us by one of our listeners sent us uh, a link to this through our social medias and this was um uh, on the Australian aviation site and uh, the uh, australian aviation uh, uh. oh is that military oh what it uh, why has it been put in the bottom of the commercial? Who put that in there
1: okay right fair enough fair okay. enough uh, plain truce, I think is up next
0: my friend yes, plain truce is up next we 're back uh, with Captain Al and Matt for this week 's uh, plain truths and Don't know what this week's one is about because it's not in the show notes, but... It's all about cabin temperatures,
1: basically, so uh, here we go. Hello and welcome to The Plain Truth, and this week we're going to be talking about cabin temperature. Joining me, as always, is the legend that is Captain Al. Hi, Captain Al. Good evening Matt, I
4: see we've gone for a contentious one then.
1: Uh, Yes indeed, I'm very much looking forward to this one. Now uh, one of the things, that I know I don't do a great deal of flying, but one of the things I really do struggle with is I've never been on an aircraft yet where the temperature has been right for me. So I've got lots of questions really about sort of uh, the air conditioning on an aircraft
4: and how it works. Okay, so it's an interesting one because uh, as you might be able to see this evening I'm sat in a t-shirt and you are in a jumper yes (laughs) so we start from the basic premise that your requirement for the temperature of room that you're in right now might be wholly different to mine so that's one of the starting points that we have to deal with this is that none of us are the same now for example my wife functions very badly if the temperature in a room is less than 21 degrees Uh, I tend to function better when the temperature is below 21 degrees. (laughs) So, um, you know, we're we're all quite different. So uh, let's start to uh, chip away at this. Uh, So on an aeroplane, there are going to be, well, let's just say as a starting point, a couple of hundred people. Okay. we're going to do a flight from Ibiza to Manchester. It's the summer and it's two o'clock in the morning. So of our 200 passengers, 198 of them are going to be in hot pants and vest tops. I mean slight Um,
1: stereotyping there
4: but (laughs) Well it's kind of how it is Uh, The remaining two passengers were an elderly couple Who were missold their flight by their travel agent They were told it was going to be a day flight So they are now happily partying away With the other 198 passengers Who were in vests and hot pants Uh, They uh, are going to get onto our uh, aircraft and they um, are going to be uh, relatively warm uh, because uh, of all the sunburn that they've got because they didn't put their <laughs> suntan cream on. No, I, I joke. They're, they're going to get on the aeroplane. Uh, but our elderly couple are uh, wrapped up a little bit warmer and they're feeling a little bit cold. So they, you know, going to ask for the, the heating to be turned up and our party animals are going to be a bit hot and they're going to want uh, the temperature turned down. So we've already got a little bit of a, a battle going on. Uh, plus, of course, we have the people who are in control of the cabin temperature, and that is the cabin crew. <laughs> and uh, you know they will be uh, doing a hot meal service at some point. So as you can imagine, when you're serving a couple of hundred hot meals, you might get hot yourself. So what you're going to do, you're going to turn the temperature down. Uh, you're going to serve all the meals, and uh, then you're going to have your break. You're going to sit on an aluminium bar box, in the forward galley, which is by one of the doors where it is cold. You're therefore going to turn the temperature up. People have had a nice hot meal. The temperature goes up and everybody goes to sleep. Everybody's happy. That's the kind of theory. Um, But it is a constant battle because uh, different airplanes have different levels of sophistication within their cabin temperature control and monitoring. And of course, if you imagine a big aluminium tube, And you put temperature of, say, 21 degrees air into it, where there are colder bits of the aircraft, you're going to measure the temperature less. So where do you decide to measure the temperature for setting your air conditioning? It's quite a long tube. So quite often at the middle of the airplane are the people who are complaining the most because there's a sensor at the front, there's a sensor at the back. And on something like a 737 or an A321, the cabin crew have a selector for the temperature at the front of the cabin, and they have a selector for the temperature at the back of the cabin. What they don't have is one for the middle. So um, it's, it's a constant battle. And then there are some aircraft manufacturers who are better at designing systems that are able to cater for this. So on some aircraft, you might set the cabin to be at 16 degrees. And the best that you can achieve is something in the order of 30 degrees. <laughs> so, you know, that there are some air conditioning systems that really aren't particularly good. And then, of course, you'll get some where all of a sudden it'll go really, really cold. So people will turn the selector up and then it'll go really, really hot. Um, I have to say that, of course, I'm biased. But on, on the A320 family, uh, generally speaking, if people put the control in the middle and don't touch it, more people are happier than not the cabin crew have a small range of control we don't trust them with the whole thing (laughs) we have the master control in the cockpit they have a small control and they can move it up and down half a degree or so and they are happy and funny enough half a degree uh just like half an inch does make a difference um and um if, if you can keep the majority of people happy most of the time then you're doing a good job it's just one of those things it's it's an almost impossible task because um, if you've got 200 people you're going to have 200 different opinions as to whether it's hot or cold i did have an idea once on a connected airplane where everybody's got seat back tvs that if you were too hot you'd press a little button on your seat back tv and say i'd like it colder and there'd be some sort of Voting system and if the majority of people in your zone were too hot then the temperature lowered a degree and I thought that would be quite good Of course, you'll always get people then who were really really hot (laughs) But just for the sake of skewing the argument they'd select for more heat which would just mess it up for everybody (laughs) But it's a tricky one the way that we uh, produce the the air in the aircraft is complicated to say the very least some aeroplane manufacturers are better at designing the systems for customer comfort uh, but of course, you've got to remember that if you're sat down, um, you're going to be a little bit cooler than if you're, if you're exercising by delivering hot meals.
1: Does some of this have something to do with uh, the age of the aircraft as, as well? For example, uh, I use a car as an, anal- an analogy. If you're lucky enough to have a nice car uh, You can actually have a different temperature for the driver uh, versus the passenger sitting next to them. I mean uh, Do such things uh, exist on aircraft where you can fluctuate the temperature sort of like in in smaller zones? Are they in zones or is it just one aircraft? Sort yeah, of so on?
4: On, on sort of 737A320 we have um, uh, basically forward and aft. When you get onto larger aircraft, uh, like 330 has forward, mid, and aft. And then I'm sure that if you get onto the 380, or but first of all you've got two different decks to cater for. <laughs> so you, you you're going to have completely different dynamics on on the you know upper deck to uh, lower deck. Plus, of course, if you're then looking at different classes of cabin within the aircraft if that was part of the original design spec, you might say, okay, well, we'll make first class its own zone, uh, we'll make business class its own zone. So, you know, there, there are lots of options available there, but for sure, what you're going to do is to try to split it up the bigger the aircraft, because just the the, the, the range of temperatures that will exist in a particular area of, of the aircraft. So, uh, and you mentioned age. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we're certainly not going to say that older aircraft, the air conditioning also that provides the pressurization is any worse. But what you might find that is an older aircraft, the ability to control the temperature to quite close tolerances um, might be much poorer. So you might get that it's really, really hot. It's really, really cold. It's really, really hot. Um, And of course you do get defects on the air conditioning system. So sometimes you can have, uh, you know, regulation faults that mean that The thing is permanently cycling between hot and cold and there's not much that you can do about that other than try to reset it in the air and then get it fixed on the ground. So just like anything else, um, they are quite complicated systems. They can go wrong from a temperature regulation point or they might not have been designed particularly well in the first place.
1: Uh, And another question I've got, this is is probably going to sound like a really daft question to you, but is the cargo hold heated?
4: So again, that's an option. So like like many, many things on an aeroplane, when you're buying it from new, you can choose all sorts of options. So cargo hold heating is an option. And if you go for the option, you can control the, the cargo holds. It's not really something that most sort of short haul operators will go for because what's in the cargo holds typically um, isn't anything that is live. I mean, we do carry cats and dogs in unheated holes, but I will give you the caveat that the ventilation for those holes is basically the uh, outflow air from the cabin. So although the holes aren't independently heated, the air that is leaving the cabin, vented from the cabin, goes out through those holes. So they're not sub-zero down there they're going to be cooler than the cabin um so i think when i was at monarch airlines we had a restriction that we couldn't have cats and dogs in the hold if the flight was longer than six hours right um uh so um, and we never had any 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 problems with that sort of thing Uh, conversely one of the things that you do sometimes have to do and consider is not so much cargo hold heating but cargo hold cooling one of the things that you might be carrying in the hold might generate quite a lot of heat. So this is one of those very random uh, things, but uh, newborn chicks, so day-old chickens, uh, are quite often transported by air, Um, and chickens generate a huge amount of heat. Uh, If you've ever been in a chicken shed, they're extremely hot. Yeah. Uh, so chickens generate a lot of heat, so you you have to be very careful with day-old chicks. So they had a restriction of three hours, not because they would get too cold, but they would get too hot and die. Um, so sometimes you need cargo uh, cooling, if you like. So it's not just a heating function; it's an option. Uh, large air- aircraft that are traveling greater distances uh, will have that because they'll be carrying a lot more in the way of cargo. So, so for example. Um, tropical fish, corals, that sort of thing, uh, moved around the world an awful lot. The uh, ornamental fish trade is quite a uh, massive industry. So if you were to go into, lockdown aside, your pet shop um, locally to you, a lot of those fish will have come from Thailand, Indonesia, um, uh, all over the world, and therefore will have flown by air. So keeping them at a reasonable temperature is quite important. And when you have cargo documents, um, it will usually specify a a temperature to keep the, the cargo if you're carrying live goods. Wow. Fantastic. As always, many thanks, Captain Al. It's a pleasure.
0: Good work again, as always, Matt
1: and Captain Al. I just ask a question and off off he goes. I mean, it's the, mm. it's the easiest segment to record in the entire world. Uh, Micah is actually saying passenger aircraft heating systems are designed to make people the least uncomfortable, uh, not at all um, have anything, uh, not at all have anything to do with comfort.
2: <laughs>
0: there are lots of comments in the chat room yep. actually um, about this. Um, one from uh, Rich from Sheffield, who is saying that he flew on a 757 uh, with four of us and four cabin attendants and two other passengers after the Iceland volcano. One of the first flights out of the UK, and it was blooming freezing. Oh, really? Uh, on board there. And um, Pip was saying that the worst experience he'd had was with a passenger, as a passenger on a Turkish Airlines flight from Istanbul to Paris, and the air was clearly knackered. And cycle from maximum hot to maximum cold and back again constantly on a twenty-five minute cycle. It's one of those things, though. It's quite interesting, though, when you think about it, how um, uh, aircraft maintain a, a kind of constant, nice temperature for passengers. Mm. But um,
2: but I think you've also got. And I don't want to be disingenuous, of of course, but. Um, <laughs> but i i'm about to be probably um, i i once worked in an office where the thermostat control was actually broken at least two or three times a year <laughs> because people uh, in the same office space um could not agree on what the temperature mm, should be really and you are going to get you know variations uh, b- between one person and another, I'm sure. But yeah, uh, yeah th- there is there is a lot of variation in temperature, isn't there? And uh, some some aircraft seem to be very cold, some be very hot. Um, I mean, for me, m- most of the time it's okay. Uh, but yeah, just occasionally, especially on night flight, it seems uh, it's um, it's always quite. Quite chilly, so you do need to wrap up.
1: Indeed. Uh, Breaking news from Rich in Sheffield, by the way, uh, was actually saying that uh, uh, (laughs) strong possibility, essentially, that uh, Ryan will start charging for heat (laughs) soon. So you heard it here first, breaking news from Rich in Sheffield. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear.
0: Imagine that. It's it's minus 40 outside. It's minus 40 inside. Right. (laughs) I'd be
1: glad if I brought my Parker with me, do you know what I mean? So Mm. I can wrap up warm. (laughs)
0: <laughs> those, war- those warm paninis will uh, go down well in that kind of temperature <laughs> they will be blocks at that temperature yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right so it is uh, military aviation news time so uh, if everyone's ready indeed let's... yes good luck everyone
1: here we go <laughs> <laughs>
3: This first military story from Defense News, the U.S. Army enters a final phase of development before kicking off its future long-range assault aircraft program. In Washington, D.C., the U.S. Army has awarded contracts to both Bell and Sikorsky Boeing teams to continue into a second phase of competitive development and risk reduction as the service prepares to begin its formal program to acquire a future long-range assault aircraft by the year 2030. Now awarded through the Aviation and Missile Technology Consortium, Bell and the Sikorsky Boeing teams will each conduct a preliminary analysis of requirements for Special Operations Command, including for medical evacuation and the features that allow for the the aircraft's export to other countries, according to a March 30th Army statement. At the start of the official program of record for FLRAA in 2022, the Army will choose a winner between the two teams to build prototypes. The Army awarded contracts to both teams a year ago to continue conducting analysis to refine those requirements, conceptual designs, and acquisition approaches needed to successfully execute the FLRAA program. Through its entire uh, process, Bell flew its V 280 Valor tilt rotor aircraft, and Sikorsky Boeing team flew its SB Defiant coaxial demonstrator. defiant had more trouble getting off the ground due to issues in manufacturing in its rotor blades and thus it started its testing over a year late taking off for the first time in march of 2019. now the v280 had its first flight in 2017. in a march 31st statement bell said that through a rigorous flight test program the aircraft has flown more than 200 hours during more than 160 individual test flights that delivered critical data to validate Bell's digital models and performance. Defiant has logged 31 flights, accumulating 26 hours in the air, but has also logged 1,500 hours in its systems integration lab and 148 hours in its propulsion test bed, according to a March 31st Lockheed Martin statement. Lockheed Martin currently owns Sikorsky. The conclusion of this phase of testing will allow the winner to complete uh, preliminary design reviews for both the air vehicle and weapon systems in less than a year after the programmatic contract award that's according to an army statement that noted thus advancing the schedule to an earlier decision to, en- to enter into engineering and manufacturing development so
1: i mean uh, now i'm going to pop the picture back up if i may actually because uh,
0: see i look i look at that and i think oh that looks very like the osprey he is very much, well, he's very much like the Osprey. It's the same fat from the same family, um, but the only difference being is is the obviously body itself is a lot smaller. Right, than uh, right. The okay, V22. yeah. Um, if you put the V twenty two alongside that, it would the V twenty two would sort of kind of be nearly t- well nearly twice the size, but it's a lot bigger. But it does look, oh, I do love that in all black. It yes, definitely beats all bloody grey.
2: Rotor clearance is always a um, <laughs> <laughs> interesting topic, isn't it? I wonder what it really is on some of these uh, rotary aircraft.
0: <laughs> uh, Lane has pointed out uh, something uh, in the chat room, as Lane always does, that uh, Armando's clocks were wrong. Right, OK. I mean, you know, on tape. Uh, and they were right, the time, <laughs> they yeah. were right.
1: At the time of recording, they were correct. Uh, is that how we get out of that? I'm not really yeah. sure. <laughs> anyway, should we move on to the next story? Uh, story number two is uh, f- uh, from the airforcetechnology.com uh, website and the headline is Uh, Future RAF will mix crew fighters, UAVs and swarming drones. So speaking at an International Institute for Strategic Studies virtual event, the head of the UK's Armed Forces uh, Chief of Defence Staff General, Sir Nick Carter, said that by 2030, a Royal Air Force tactical formation could be made up of two Typhoon fighter jets, 10 Mosquito uncrewed fighter aircraft and 100... um, Uh, I'll... Alvino swarming uncrewed aerial vehicles. Uh, Mosquitoes, the RAF's name for a program to build the UK's first uncrewed fighter aircraft, able to target and shoot down uh, adversaries aircraft. The project is currently being led by uh, Spirit Aerosystems with an aim for full-scale flight tests in 2023. Uh, Mosquito is designed to fill the role of a loyal wingman uh, flying alongside crew fighter jets increasing combat and mass, uh, increasing combat mass at a lower cost. Commenting on the future mix of aircraft, Carter told the Institute think tank, uh, I think by 2030, it's entirely respectable for us to um, uh, posit a view that a tactical formation in the Air Force uh, will move from being 8 Typhoon to being 2 Typhoon, 10 Mosquitos and 100 uh, Alvino, uh, because that is another way of generating significant mass. And you can see that playing out both inland and maritime domains as well. Alvina is to be a swarming drone platform uh, and was mentioned by the Chief of Air Staff, Air Chief Marshal, Sir Mike uh, Weekston, at the Royal United Services Institute Lord Trenchard for the mem- Memorial Lecture earlier this year. Uh, the Speaking at the RUSI event earlier this year, Wigston described the future Royal Air Force as being made up of Tempest, uh, F-35, Mosquitoes, Alvina and Protector remotely piloted air systems, the RPAS, and uh eighty percent uncrewed uh or remotely piloted aircraft. It's um yeah.
0: Sounds it's... like one of those weird sort of sci fi films when you say the word swarming drones. <laughs> have this sort of vision of thousands of drones all just flying through the sky at one time.
1: Yeah, I suppose it's one of those things we can do, like, you know, they're they're all sort of, you know, you have essentially one person who's in the field and then all of the other aircraft automatically follow it, I I guess. You know, all the drones and and that kind of thing. Uh, Richard Adams is saying in the chat room, isn't the estimated delivery uh, date for those expected to be 2035? So let's be realistic, 2045. Yeah. I mean, yes, possibly. Hello? Oh, I see. Right, sorry. Okay. <laughs> I wonder what that was then. Sorry. John's phone went off. <laughs> He's probably got... His, his pizza's probably arriving. That his pizza arrived, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, pip,
0: pip, Pip's... <laughs> Pips uh, sent sent him a pizza over from the UK. Right, okay, that's good. Yes, lovely. Okay. (laughs) So uh, the next story comes to us again from Armando, and uh, this
3: one's uh, all about uh, things being scrambled. Indeed. This next story comes to us from the aviationist. NATO interceptor scrambled ten times in six hours to shadow Russian bombers and fighters near Alliance airspace. NATO fighter jets shadowed Russian bombers and fighters during an unusual peak of flights over the North Atlantic, the North Sea, the Black Sea, and the Baltic Sea. Monday, March 29, 2021 was particularly busy for NATO fighters. According to the NATO Allied Air Command, its fighters, providing air policing at various locations along the borders of the alliance, intercepted different groups of Russian military aircraft near NATO airspace in less than six hours. According to a quote, they say, intercepting multiple groups of Russian aircraft demonstrates NATO forces readiness and capability to guard Allied skies 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, said Brigadier General Andrew Hansen, Deputy Chief of Staff of Operations at Allied Air Command Ramstein Air Base, Germany. He said that in a public release. In the high north, Norwegian F-16 scrambled after radars spotted two groups of Russian military aircraft flying near Norway's coast. The Norwegian jets intercepted two Tu-95 Bear bombers, which continued to fly south over the North Sea, prompting the United Kingdom and Belgium to scramble Typhoon and F-16 fighters, respectively. That's according to a NATO statement, although the aircraft depicted in the photographs released by the Royal Air Force were Tu-142 Bear F, long-range maritime patrol reconnaissance and anti-submarine warfare the belgian air force f-16s were also scrambled to respond to the russian uh, bombers presence over the north sea the belgian vipers have recently returned to full operational status after being grounded following an incident last month in which an f-16 experienced an engine problem taking off uh, from florend in the baltic sea the italian air force Eurofighter typhoons deployed to chalet lithuania to support Uh, NATO Baltic air policing missions where they identified a Russian IL-38 Dolphin anti-submarine warfare aircraft which was escorted by the F-2000s over the Baltic Sea flying into and out of Kaliningrad. Uh, Interestingly a photo of this intercept has been released by NATO Allied Air Command and shows the Russian IL-38 escorted by two Su-27 flankers flying in formation with the Italian Eurofighters. One clearly visible in the photo, another one not visible because it was the camera ship. Uh, For me, it was pretty impressive as I was reading this story to see how much information these uh, tail watchers and and plane spotters were able to get from social media. And honestly, they just have a a complete picture of the air picture over, over Europe using commercially available means. I mean, it's, I mean, wow, wow.
0: They, they do keep coming and seeing us every now and often for a little kind of chat, don't they, our um, our Russian friends. But it does, it does prove a point that when, when our guys need to, they can be um, up in the skies. As, as even like the Norwegian, the F-16s, are obviously scrambled. Um, they can, we can, uh, our quick, or is it a quick response, QRA, isn't it, uh, Nev? Yes. QRA, quick response aircraft can be up in the air fairly quickly, making sonic booms and all that kind of stuff. It's good. Thank you for that, Armando. uh, He's good, isn't he, sending in these, saving us us that. Really appreciate him
1: him, him avoiding it, because he understands it. He's very good at explaining stuff as well, Mm.
0: which is is huge, isn't it? So, Nev, uh, you have got the next story, uh, and this one's about retirements.
2: It is. It's on the Aviationist.com and uh, it says that uh, the uh, RAF are set to retire the older Typhoons, Chinooks and other types following the Defence Review uh, which is going to radically transform the Royal Air Force, Army and Navy by the next decade and it's been described as one of the largest since the Cold War. According to the uh, Defence in a Competitive Age report uh, the Integrated Defence Review assessed the major trends that will shape the national security and international environment up until 2030. Among the trends that have been identified, four are considered to be of particular importance geopolitical and geoeconomic shifts. Uh, systemic uh, competition, rapid technology chains and transnational challenges that require collective action such as climate change, biosecurity risks, terrorism and serious and organized crime. These trends will be affected also by the long-term effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, The review also specifically mentions Russia and terrorism as ongoing challenges. Well let's have a look at the consequences of the defense review on the armed forces uh, beginning with the Royal Air Force. Well the combat air capability which will continue to grow over the next few years as all seven operational typhoon squadrons will be fully established and the Lightning II force will be increased beyond the 48 F-35Bs already ordered. Works will continue also for the sixth generation aircraft with a strategic investment of more than two billion pounds over the next four years in the future combat air system. To reach these objectives, however, the RAF needs to make some cuts, uh, retiring equipment to improve efficiency. Among the soon to be retired aircraft we can find uh, are the older Tranche 1 Typhoons, which will leave the RAF by 2025, and also the Hawk T1 trainers. This will allow new funds for the Typhoon and F-35 development. After the T1 retirement, only 28 newer Hawk T2 trainers will remain in service. One notorious unit that uses the Hawk T1 is the Red Arrows Aerobatic Team, which might retain for now all of its aircraft. According to the Express, the uh, Red Arrows will not be touched by the review, but the clock is ticking for them, as the MOD can no longer afford to finance them. Other soon-to-be-retired aircraft can be found in the support area. Uh, The RAF is retiring the BA-146, as planned by 2022, and the C-130 Hercules, by 2023 these capabilities should be fulfilled by the A400M Atlas, the C-17 Globemaster, and the Voyager Tanker. Special mention goes to the BA-146. Uh, the aircraft, which is operated by 32 uh, Squadron, which is for the Royal Squadron for VIP and transport flights, was planned to be retired from service on March 31st, 2022 and replaced by a new type that was under consideration. Although the review did not mention any replacement for aircraft, there's been things in the media which were suggesting a uh, an airbus a321neo with united kingdom painted on its tail so that'll be interesting to see whether that uh, uh, actually comes into service or not the article went in to went on to highlight additional airframes unmanned aircraft and helicopters that will soon be retired as part of the review so quite a big shake up as always, and it's all, well, it's always down to cost, isn't it? And uh, remember we, when uh, Nick was talking to Sir Richard Johns, uh, what was it, last year we mm. played out that series, wasn't it? and uh, he, mm. he was saying that, you know, when there's a defence review, uh, it normally means one thing, and that they, there's a raid on the bank, basically. But I,
1: I must admit, I didn't realise that. So, so the Red Arrows, which is obviously the one that we're, we're all very familiar with, uh, the, I, I sort of ass- assumed that they were sort of self-funding are they essentially paid for by the military no, then?
2: They're funded by the MOD as far as I'm aware and they're, obviously they're running the Hawk T2 trainers which they've run for, for many years so uh, yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens so they flew over my house only, uh, was it yesterday or the day before I can't remember, Yes, on a bit, a bit of a tour around the uh, environs of London um, so uh, wasn't fast enough the camera unfortunately. Wow
1: uh, so Richard Adams is saying in the chat room is saying that there's, uh, there was an oddly named exercise lobster the other week. Uh, all the southern danger zones were activated at the same time. Not noticed that happened before. No idea if it's related.
2: Hmm. Exercise lobster. We're always talking about food on this show.
1: <laughs> Any excuse. <laughs> Any excuse. <There> <laughs> Quite indeed.
0: Okay, uh, on to the next story then. Yeah, this one uh, comes to us from australianaviation.com, australianaviation.com.au and smh.com.au as well. And RAAF's centenary fly past in Canberra. So Wednesday this week saw a spectacular flypast of aircraft from the RAAF over Canberra to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the Royal Australian Air Force. The display, the most ambitious attempted in years, featured 60 warbirds and modern aircraft such as the Spitfire, Caribou, C130J and FA18 Hornet. Air Marshal Mel Hupfeld spoke about the Air Force's evolution from basic airplanes to boasting a fleet of characterized by high-tech capabilities, including space and cyber. In our first hundred years, he said, in conflict, uh, peacekeeping, search and rescue, disaster relief and humanitarian assistance, Air Force developed a reputation within our nation and among our global partners for courage perseverance and overcoming adversity. He said, we constantly deliver air power well above the weight of an Air Force our size. Air Marshal Hupfield said, more than 350,000 Australians have served in in the Air Force since 1921 and 11,191 have died in service during that time. He says we will always remember their service and sacrifice. On March 31st, 100 years ago, the Australian Air Force was formed and five months later, its royal designation was added to create the Royal Australian Air Force. It was the only uh, second, uh, only the second Royal Air Arm in the British Commonwealth following the formation of the RAF. Her Majesty the Queen attended a special service at the Commonwealth War Graves Commission or CWGC Air Forces Memorial in Runnymede, Surrey to commemorate the 100th anniversary of the RAAF. Also, the Red Arrows flew over parts of the UK on Wednesday including over the CWGC. Couldn't see them here, unfortunately, because there was such low cloud. Anyway, the uh, aircraft it included in the flyover. Quite a few here, actually. Just go through the C-27J Spartan, F-35 Lightning II, F-A-18 Super Hornet, E-18 Growler, C-130J Hercules, S-70A Black Hawk, Hudson, Boomerang Seahawk, Harvard Wirraway Mustang, Spitfire P-40 Kittyhawk, 5AP3C Orion, Neptune, Dakota, Caribou, Catalina, Iroquois, PC21, Pilatus, uh, B300, King Air 350, C27J, we said that one already, the PAA Poseidon, E7A Wedgetail, C17 Globemaster 3, the KC30MRTT, and uh, also the RAAF display team, the Roulettes, also took part in the day, so we obviously couldn't see it here. Um, Let me guess, UK, cloud cover? And we're not in the, we're not uh, across the pond in Australia. And we couldn't oh. see the red arrows either, as I said, because the ceilings were too low here. And they, they actually just skimmed East Anglia, Matt, on their route, because I know Nev sent us a little diagram of their route over. <laughs> the... It was almost like they wanted to stay well clear of East Anglia on their route over. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The- yeah,
1: the, the chat room is still talking about the exercise lobster in the chat room. But uh, by the way, uh, so if I'm going to participate in exercise lobster, uh, ha- there had better be uh, drawn butter. Uh, May man Micah mm. is suggesting. I think that's a, an excellent serving suggestion. <laughs> Neil Lamwood is saying after the cutbacks, we'll only be able to manage exercise Long ske- Lang- Langoustines. Uh, good point. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that is a good point. Um, it's... Christ, me and <laughs> me, me, me and
0: you'll be on shrimps then, Matt. Oh dear.
1: Oh, my. Mm. <laughs> uh, I must uh, apologise, by the way, guys. I've got a very weird bug here in the studio that has uh, made things very laggy. So uh, apologies him? for that. I'm not quite sure uh, what's going on there. I'm going to look into that as soon as the show is finished. But, uh, so apologies that uh, the things
0: are not as they should be uh, on the YouTube stream this time round. So, uh, Nev, I think we'll move to you for this one. We've got some, uh, some sort of kind of, not breaking news, but extra news haven't we
2: yes Uh, it's in your favorite uh, part of the world also isn't it it's on Mm. the simpleflying.com website uh, and it says that a ryanair boeing 737-800 has ended up in a sticky situation in malta uh, today after it plowed into a line of parked bowsers parked on the apron it appears that the tow bar snapped whilst the aircraft was being maneuvered leaving it freewheeling across the airfield uh, the 737 continued to roll after the tow bar failure, ending up crashing into a line of fuel tankers parked at the side of the apron. Uh, they were, three were reportedly hit, although the damage to the aircraft itself appears minimal. Uh, Malta International Airport confirmed the incident in a statement saying, uh, we can confirm that an incident involving an aircraft being towed across uh, uh, being towed occurred earlier today at 11 29 a.m no passengers were on board the aircraft in question and no injuries have been reported as a result of this incident uh, the airport's uh, rescue and firefighting team were dispatched to the scene immediately taking control of the area in question Uh, The aerodrome was temporarily closed and reopened again to flight operations at 12.20pm. Worth noting, this is the 400th uh, 737-800, delivered to Ryanair. Uh, It's five years old and it's now actually registered under Malta Air. And two aircraft were uh, diverted as a result of the airport closure. Mm. So, yes, I mean... (laughs) If you do have a tow bar snap, it makes a heck of a noise because I have been on a what was it, A British Midland 737, I think, at Heathrow. We just pushed back. Uh, we just started to move and the um, tow bar snapped, and it was a heck of a row. And, of course, we had to deplane the aircraft and delays and blah, blah, blah. So, I, uh, I was yeah.
0: always under the impression, Nev, that when they are moving aircraft with a tow bar and i might be wrong but i always thought they were supposed to be someone on the flight I was deck
2: just about to say the same thing where, to where, I mean, if
0: something happens they can either pull the park and brake or push both feet forward on and the... i
2: would be interested to know and presumably they need the apu running for this as well so they've got hydraulic pressure for the brakes i would mm. imagine mm. um so yeah there's something that doesn't quite add up with this so uh Perhaps we'll ask our chum, Captain Al, what uh, what yeah. he thinks about it. Um, so, uh, yeah, interesting. But uh, uh, anyway, at least it was a it could have been relatively funny. minor incident, although it could have been an awful more Yeah, I was, I was then thinking
1: that. You said essentially an aircraft crashed into a load of fuel trucks. That's yeah. essentially the story here, isn't it? I mean, you just sort of think potentially there was... Quite a an explosive
2: situation. Yes, I was trying to not to do a mainstream <laughs> med- media big <laughs> right there. I was just trying to play it down.
0: <laughs> no, I, I was just channeling my inner Lane. That was what I was doing. And Richard, Richard <laughs> Adams uh, makes a comment in the chat room. Actually, guys, he says that don't they have at least a competent brake operator in the cockpit while it's being towed? Not necessarily a pilot. Someone yeah. that's
2: certainly competent to yeah. um, mm. uh, be in the cockpit and yeah, when things happening with the aircraft mm. being towed across the apron or different parts of the airport. So could yeah. have been a
1: very different story, though, couldn't it? Let's oh, be honest. Gosh, yeah. uh, Miles High is saying must have... Uh, must have be no. There must have been nobody in the cockpit. Is uh, what Miles High is suggesting. Very peculiar. It, do, it do, it's say lots. Lots of this story doesn't add up. I think that's the best mm. way to describe it. Uh, Alex Robinson, what was he saying? Oh, the toe snapped. Sounds painful. Ouch.
4: Yeah, yeah. Mind, mind you,
0: at, at the other end of the field, just where that happened, not far from where that happened on the pitch, when you just shoot the picture on there, there is the massive Lufthansa Technic, um building where that can be repaired. So at least it... didn't have to go far <laughs> for for Didn't have to go far right? to be old. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. We're being told, but perhaps Ryanair don't have a contract with them. Maybe that's why. Why not? Yes. Okay. There um, we go. Well, that, that's it, guys. That that is the. Uh, That is the stories for this
0: week. All done and dusted. So, Nev, what's coming up next week because we have got a guest I'm looking forward to next week I look forward to every week but next week (laughs) I'm
2: really looking forward to because we are interviewing live on the show Michelle from the website Turning Left for Less now you might remember a couple of years ago now I went to see Michelle at her house I interviewed her there she'd only recently started the website at that point um, and she has gone on from strength to strength and it is a really really interesting website and also all the social media interaction she does as well so uh, have a look on your twitter and facebook for turning left for less and also look her up on google Mm. as well she'll be joining us live on the show at seven o'clock next week can't wait
0: so don't forget looking forward to that nev don't forget uh, social media links if you want to make a bookmark ready for next week's show you can find us over on facebook twitter and instagram just search for plain talking uk uh, don't forget as well that whatsapp number plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six if you want to get uh, your picture on the green screen behind matt in the ptk studios or you've got him behind me on my green screen or even on nev's green screen as well so you can uh, uh, thank you for that, John. Uh, you can also uh, email uh, feedback if you want to send us an email. We'd love to hear from you, the listener. If you want to send us uh, some feedback, you can send that via email to podcast at plain dot Com. Uh, don't forget to check out our website, all the w's.plaintalkinguk.com. On there, you'll find our shop where you can treat yourself to one of our P2K uh, t shirts with the embroidered logo on the front and uh, print on the back. And uh, they're very 100% cotton, lovely, gorgeous, soft t shirts. And also, if you're thinking of having a hot beverage or cool beverage to be fair or a beer you can purchase one of our ptuk mugs on the store as well and also on the website you'll find the links to uh, amazon where if you're going to do your shopping on amazon uh, which i did do today you can use our link and do your purchases through our link we get a small referral fee uh, from amazon and it doesn't cost you a penny and also you'll, the links are on there for patreon and paypal if you want to become a patron of the show and uh, help push the show along Uh, it it does it's definitely going to make a big difference to some people uh, who do the uh, patreon uh, and paypal in the next few coming months when we announce a certain big milestone show Uh, but you can find those links on there as well for patreon and paypal and uh, yeah it's uh, it's great to uh, to well see everyone joining us as uh, always Lane's
1: concerned because we're we're already ending the show. It's uh, uh, I should stress <laughs> that we've always we're, we've always been aiming for an hour and a half, uh, and this is the first time yeah. that we've got anywhere near <laughs> close to it. So uh, yeah, mm-hmm. we're still running a little bit late. Yes, but uh, yeah, as I say, we've got a got a few problems here in the studio, so um, we're sort of cutting our losses while it's still okay. Uh, <laughs> it's while but- while we're still on air, we're we're making the most of it. <laughs> So oh, okay. uh,
0: it's it's worth noting actually Matt on when I um uh, breezed past Norwich uh last week as you in didn't the get airport, you being airport, out about. Norwich I know I actually had to go past Norwich I uh, did a glance at uh, the massive amount of aircraft they have stored there now which is quite good uh, to see which I think yeah, Thank you, John. Yeah, yeah. I knew he'd say something. John, John's telling me to rattle on here, but I'm I'm talking about aviation here. So any, anyone <laughs> a, anyone who uh, lives in and around East Anglia, if you get a chance to uh, drive along the the NDR, isn't it, Matt? I don't think it's called that now, but everybody round here knows it as the, yeah, the
1: Northern NDR. Distributor Road. Roads, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But yeah, uh, there's yeah a good, there's, good display of stuff. There. There's
0: a lot, a lot of BA stuff still sat there, isn't there? Mm, actually, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. we well, probably yeah, they're waiting for Nev to um, to purchase them. But, uh, right. Yeah. Okay. Maybe just so, a seat on one. I don't. I don't know about an actual uh, aircraft. Yeah, I so Nev Sue wouldn't tolerate that. There's no two way. Nev, what is on the cards for Mr. Bounds next week?
2: Oh, more driving because from <laughs> April first we are allowed to go and see customers. So I am taking advantage of that. So I've already been to Peterborough once this week. Well, I, I and, am uh, so sorry to hear that. Which you know <laughs> you I didn't go
0: in your car, did you, Nev?
2: I, I certainly did. Oh. I saw a real customer. Incredible. Wow.
1: Okay, and you came uh, back with all the same wheels on. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah.
3: That's right, I wow. And uh, That's so amazing. next week I'm
2: off to see another customer mm. in, down in the West Country, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, yes, so uh, all uh, very full-on again, I'm pleased to say. Mm. So, uh, yeah, no flying yet. I think that won't be until at least uh, middle Except of May. September. But, um, have to <laughs> right. So,
0: and uh, okay. Matt, uh, what, what's on the cards for you this week? Obviously um, more more awesome customer service and awesome uh radio shows yes
1: although that, although that, yeah the, the 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 day job is uh, on hold until tuesday now it's very exciting i got the bank holiday weekend off um uh, actually, uh, I, I'm on the radio again on Bank Holiday Monday. If you listen Ooh. to the, if you download and listen to this on the Sunday, uh, the audio version, you'll be able to ask your smart speaker. If you're not here in the east, it's uh, 105.2. If you're here in uh, Bungie and uh, 107.6 in Dis, if you want to listen to it on
0: FM. But uh, actually, it's worth pointing out for those listeners who are listening to the show across the pond or around the globe, Matt are, are very awesome Armando was actually listening to you today. He he? was, yes, absolutely. Oh, That video he sent us of, uh, I think,
1: was I I doing the news or something? And there's quite a a funky sort of um, um, uh, news bed that that I'm I'm reading the news over and there was uh, (laughs) Matty and Meg busy bopping away to it. It was really quite a a lovely video. But uh, no, loads of people were listening today. Uh, It was fantastic. But yeah, 12 till 3 on Bank Holiday Monday, I'm on the radio. And if you're not here in this area you can ask your smart speaker to play park radio dis that's park radio dis there we are because I, I keep saying i keep saying it really quickly into my election i end up with a heart norfolk i don't know quite what happened there <laughs> but <laughs> so we definitely don't want that to happen uh, you definitely want to be listening to me but yeah so i'm on 12 till 3 uh, not really sure what music i'm going to play so feel free to ping some messages and pick some songs oh look forward to that look forward to that Yes, uh, yes. Oh, yes. That that's true. Yes. Plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. That's plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six, or one double o double o. If you want to text the park radio studio
0: straight away, but anyway, whatever. And Neil's, <laughs> Mr. Neil Anwar has already dropped one oh, in no. there for me, Matt. Oh, go on, yeah. He said, "So, Matt, you're a dis jockey now."
1: Oh, I see what he did there. I see what he did there. Yes. It's a play on the word. Oh, it's the play on the town, isn't it? I like it. Okay,
0: yeah. So next week I'll be I'll, I'll be uh, work and drawing. Oh yes. a lorry yeah. What are you doing, like Carlos? That. So that was very rude. <laughs> so, so next week I'll be transporting multiple uh, hospital-grade equipment across East England again, as I always do. I might even have a day in the office Wednesday. That'd be nice. Oh, steady. I know. Mm. I managed it once this week as well, so that's quite good anywho we are gonna (laughs) say say. (laughs) a massive that's what she said we're gonna say a massive thanks to everyone who's joined us in the live youtube chat room this evening thank you everyone for joining us tonight and also don't forget a big thanks to everyone who downloads the show as an audio podcast and if you do download us and listen to me matt nevin armando as an audio podcast don't forget as well to leave us a little review on itunes or wherever you download the show from. We really would appreciate that very much, Lee. Uh, big thanks as well to John for all his hard work in the pre production on the show this week. So, a big round of applause to John. And uh, so it just leaves me to say from Nev in his glorious background their studio in buckinghamshire from matt in the ptuk studios across the village from me and from me here in my home studio have a great weekend have a great easter holiday take care everyone and stay safe see you next friday bye